Hello, this is Daniel Malta from the podcast Englishman in Montreal. This podcast is picking up from a previous segment. Um, the previous episode I began on a very long recording regarding the uh, similarities between a cult and the modern phenomenon of a disinformation movement and we have been through some of the analogies that are drawn between the two the two entities if you like and we'd arrived at the point where we were discussing the leader or the influencer infallibility and their immunity to uh, being wrong to being questioned so this cast is going to pick up where we left off and go into the final five or six analogies which I'd drawn between the two things. Um, this one is going to concentrate on the principle of a common enemy creating a concept of us and them. The uh, Typical abuse of human weaknesses, uh, use of social engineering, and appealing to people's cognitive biases, using a lot of fallacies and some philosophical concepts which are maybe not labelled but uh, definitely have their place in these movements. I wanted to refer a lot to priming and conditioning that happens to followers. Um, especially conditioning them with responses in anticipation of criticism or challenging and how both movements have an explanation for everything or a way of reframing questions to avoid explaining things. Also wanted to look at a belief in a paradigm shift or a apocalyptic event or an end time scenario which many cults make use of and also the disinformation movement uses to generate fear and perhaps romanticize their predictions. Finally I wanted to look at the uh, concept which both the cult to which I'm obliquely referring and the disinformation movement have where followers are so-called enlightened or awoken or even woke as it's said a lot in the disinformation movement so I'm going to turn to where we left off at the last time I'm using a script for this and I make no apologies for that because it's a very large topic and it's one which uh, during the pandemic especially I've had a lot of time to muse and reflect, distill some of the ideas, and to strike through a lot of material as well. So the principle of a common enemy generating a, an us and them dichotomy, I don't even know if that's correctly pronounced, where everything is either black or white, you're for us or against us. There is no, no fence, no... Um, grey areas in 
these philosophies, no room for a compromise. Those in the cult um, fall easily into the trap of us and them. The overbearing attitude is that those in the light have the truth and everyone else is the enemy as a function of that. If you're not with me, you're against me, has been quoted by many of the leaders of the cult I'm referring to. Um, by labelling and presenting the outside world as inherently evil and corrupt, with no nuances, no possibility for a middle ground, and an all-or-nothing attitude, the, uh, the cult also provides everything and creates a dependency on the followers for everything. I remember it being quoted to me once, um, especially once the cult started adopting many ideas which had previously seen as uh, worldly or of the outside and one of the local leaders said to me that now we don't have to look to the outside world for anything. This was particularly in relation to them establishing their own schooling programs and providing entertainment even in imitation of the outside world but not of it so to speak. Not only this, but the us and them concept is taken even further and a lot of religions do this as well as cults um, to refer to the persecution and the presumption that they're going to be mocked for their belief. And this really inflates the, um, the self-righteousness and the sense that the followers get that they are on the right path because they are told to expect criticism and questioning as mockery, as sarcasm when in fact um, non-followers might simply be expressing doubts about a lack of hard evidence or concerns about potential damaging beliefs, but the attitude that's been instilled in followers is that uh, of course you're going to be persecuted and mocked for your beliefs because the outside world is not somebody who is not an entity, not somebody who can grasp the concept. They've been shut up in unbelief. The us and them concept is even further pushed by cautionary tales. Um, examples are made of those who left the fold and who died or didn't succeed or came into disastrous circumstances and that's used to label the outside world as a threat or the opposing world as a threat to safety. Naturally humans fear annihilation and 
to be told constantly that the outside world guarantees this is a pretty sure way of creating animosity and making a, a common enemy out of anything which doesn't agree with the belief system. In the disinformation movement, the, uh, the labeling of us and them is a little more loose because there are varying degrees of investment in the belief system. But the, the general attack is to bend people's thinking to um, attack politicians, governments, authorities and law enforcement citing spurious cover-ups making claims about uh, prominent figures some of which may be close to the truth but could be wildly exaggerated and some which are simply founded on made-up evidence which cannot be verified and for which there's never been any proof or any court action. Um, in the disinformation movement, there's a lot of uh, very black and white statements to all or nothing regarding governments and states, especially that uh, the government is involved in some massive New World Order project and thus none of the government, no officials, no elected officials can be trusted. And this New World Order concept is a, is a very nebulous one. It's, um, it's very much something that cannot be defined. And it's simply everything, in my opinion, that's been generalized down from whatever is opposed to the thinking of the disinformation movement. Basically, the premise is that the state, the police, the government are the enemy because they cannot be trusted. And more worryingly, in this pandemic, um, this has been extended to a distrust of medicine. People have criticized uh, experts in the medical field for not making decisions quickly enough or for making very arbitrary decisions. And... In many cases, the politicians and the governments have been in the unenviable position that they're damned if they do and damned if they don't make these changes. There will always be critics of government, and rightly so, because government has to be accountable for the choices and actions that they make. But when this starts to spill over into the medical world where the vast majority is evidence-based and scientific practice it's concerning to see that uh, vaccines and proven medical procedures have been tarred with the same brush as surveillance um, restrictions curfews lockdowns and laws and lumped into the same category. This is quite simply reframing a force for good and putting a fear inducing label on it. 
to push the agenda of the disinformation movement. The, uh, the funny thing about the proponents of the disinformation movement is that they self-identify as lone wolves crusading against a common enemy, when in fact this enemy exists only grace of a, uh, a wild generalization and extreme exaggeration of a few isolated circumstances. If anything, it's a romanticization of uh, something which doesn't really exist in hard fact. But as we'll come to in another point, this is something that uh, is made use of by cults and by those who are pushing the whole disinformation movement. On my next point, I wanted to compare the use of human weakness and harnessing people's cognitive biases and even going further into something which I've encountered in most of my jobs which is uh, the use of social engineering. In the cult a big use is made of a natural loss aversion bias to keep the followers in line. They are raised in extreme dependence on the cult and on its followers for everything from cradle to grave and by the time they reach adulthood followers will have such a dependence on everything that they've been raised with that it gives them a sense that they have much more to lose than the average person which again leads to um a loss aversion bias, a reluctant to leave or think independently for themselves because they've had the threat, quite justifiable threat, held over them that they will lose everything if they leave. They will lose contact with their families, they will lose their income in many cases, and they will lose this entire very complex, not necessarily rich, but very complex culture which is the only thing they know in many cases. Also, the, um, there's a primeval human fear of being annihilated, which is used to keep people in line. I've already mentioned the threat that is held over followers to keep them in line. If you leave, you will lose everything. You will possibly lose your life and your health. You will lose your income. And in the modern world, that's pretty much the equivalent to being annihilated. Also, there's a large amount of appealing to people's consciences and their emotions to use the threat of breaking family ties to keep people in a state of a certain state of fear, which is mislabeled as either respect or as a fear of God which is supposed to come before anything else in the cult. Any choices you make um, are literally to be made in fear. The um, other bias that's made use of is the promise, the promise of constant uh, reward 
In fact, the cult had a saying that um, for those who chose to stay, they would be guaranteed safety, certainty, and enjoyment. And almost every human tends to be biased towards something that increases their happiness or they believe would increase their happiness. This is exploited, whether intentionally or not, by the uh, those who push the cult, especially the leaders. And in a sense, the cult has actually evolved around that, that entire system of fear and control. The disinformation movement makes similar use of human biases, especially the uh, the technique of using something that people feel strongly about. It could be a topic like um, animal cruelty or pedophilia, war or excessive surveillance, um, the police state, many things like that which people feel an emotional response to even the family the idea that um, the broader movement is actually a giant family can make people feel more warmth and more subconscious bias towards it the problem being is that when the support is garnered by um, those using social media especially posts which are shared or liked or followed. Once that support's garnered, they make use of the cognitive bias that people don't want to lose this community that they feel a part of. And that's then taken advantage of so people can push more and more outlandish theories and uh, facts. And while people are in this emotionally committed state, those facts and ideals find much more traction with them. Another bias that people fall prey to, and this is in no way judging people for having cognitive biases, It's if anything it's a human condition, but I've just felt a lot of um, disgust at the way the disinformation movement has really harness these uh, these cognitive biases it's very hard to admit that somebody has fallen for a theory or a concept instead of a fact and the more a follower is invested in that theory or that concept then proportionally it becomes much more difficult to admit to doubt or to even allow questioning of the facts or the the theories that have been promoted there's also a large amount of jealousy and mistrust of officials leaders and the wealthy and that's um, readily harnessed by those pushing the disinformation movement it's much easier to believe negative information about people's in about people in power or in official positions or the wealthy 
and um, it's easier to retain that negative information and much much harder to reinstate the positive contrary information an example for that would be Bill Gates um, whereas it's much easier to make an allegation that he has a hidden agenda and a secret um, desire to implant monitoring chips via a vaccine than it is to believe he's doing it for philanthropic reasons and he's not in fact trying to track hundreds of thousands of people and that's a, that's making use of a very simple human bias that we tend to more readily believe negative things about people than positive so it's much easier to take a common dislike of a person or a position and to then manipulate that person's dislike to basically muddy the waters and stop them realizing that their thinking is being manipulated and the final human bias that really everyone suffers from to a degree there's a lot of humiliation in admitting that somebody's been duped because for many people there is an all-or-nothing concept about belief especially the feeling that um, to renege on a particular belief would mean I would have to throw out the entire belief system and this is a problem that um, comes across especially in disinformation theory the whole movement um, the whole movement is surrounded around this one concept that cannot be broken down into smaller theories some of which might actually be perfectly valid concerns for instance the um, the adoption of government surveillance in certain states is a is a very frightening thing where those states the government already has a huge amount of control but the uh, the pushers of the disinformation movement are really aware of this potential and they prime the followers to take a huge amount of ownership in the entire movement to be in all or nothing and this has been something which I've actually encountered when somebody shared videos with me they say uh, you either take it all home or you take nothing home from it and that's up to you which is essentially asking somebody to take a side and I've seen it numerous times that uh, people who wanted to leave the cult did not do so and finally because they reflected that they would have to throw everything out their entire belief system not just the negative aspects of it so this loss aversion bias has been exploited hugely by both cult and by a lot of modern day online movements my next point was that followers of both 
concepts are primed and conditioned to face many potential scenarios. In the cult, people are, especially as children, they're fed with many stock responses where their faith might potentially be questioned, where their belief system might be questioned. And they were given responses which basically meant nothing. The one that I experienced was I can't do X, Y, Z because I love Jesus. And I was taught also that this would confound people to whom I replied that. I was told to expect this baffled response because it was proof that I was on the right path. And I was also taught to expect um, opposition if I decided to justify my beliefs or to justify the position the cult was taking. I was taught to cloak my responses in mystery or to completely reframe the question. <clears throat> and non-believers, I was taught to believe, would not understand because they were blinded or they had no faith. I was taught this as a uh, kind of superiority to take. And I felt that this preparation was especially done on Sundays before the cult members would have to go out into the regular world. <clears throat> it was much more current when the cult followers' children went to schools in the mainstream, in public. But it's also been made use of in their dealings with the regular world. They've had to employ outside spokespeople and PR merchants simply because the, the connect between the beliefs and the actual reality of the cult is such a huge disconnect. <laughs> For the disinformation movement, um, I found that followers have actually been primed with very similar responses. And the typical response is a straw man fallacy. Of course you wouldn't understand. You're a sheeple or a government supporter or a liberal. <clears throat> or you believe you're an expert. So of course you wouldn't understand or be able to comprehend this outlandish idea that I'm presenting to you. Now, a lot of those who spread this information claim to have arrived at their conclusions independently from their own research. But the stock response shows that they've originated from exactly the same source. I've seen the same response verbatim from very diverse people, completely unconnected otherwise, appearing at exactly the same time, which leads to the logical conclusion that they were primed with this information at exactly the same time. They were prepared with a response to answer to any question. And that, uh, that was a particular concept I found with a lot of cults, is that they have a response prepared for everything. Either they have a PR statement 
anticipating many questions or they have a stock response which can be pulled out of the hat to reframe an awkward question. Also, the disinformation movement uh, followers have labelled themselves as conspiracy theorists in a humorous attempt to preempt criticism. And uh, this, in a sense, is kind of conditioning the followers to expect or anticipate ridicule and to believe that this response, the ridicule, is proof that they're right. If they were wrong, then there wouldn't be so much challenges. Other people are self-labeling as uh, mavericks or whistleblowers, free thinkers, and enlightened people. This labeling extends to those who are not following the disinformation movement and it includes things like proactive labeling, their perceived opposition as sheep or brainwashed or in the dark. And this really goes to reinforce the false beliefs. I find that a lot of people from cults and from the disinformation movement have a very romanticized self-concept. They see themselves as uh, lone wolves guarding the sheep or the people that buy the government line or the popular line from conspirators and from a new world order perceived threat. The real hypocrisy in all this is that both the disinformation movement and the cults use fear priming with these uh, these distant and very unspecific threats. Yet they accuse their opponents of using fear to subjugate the population. Every human to a certain degree is going to naturally fear being subjugated, being surveyed, their privacy being invaded, treated like cattle, being tracked or forced into unpleasant or painful medical procedures. Or they're at least going to resent some of these things. So what the disinformation movement theorists are doing is pressing really hard on this fear button without perhaps being aware that that actually makes them in a hypothetical sense it makes them terrorists they're actually applying fear in a roundabout way to achieve influence I'm seeing that it's come to 30 minutes already of recording, so I'm thinking of breaking off at the end of that point, simply to allow a bit more time in a third installment, as I've got some rather meaty topics to cover, and then to wrap it up. So if you're still with me after these long 
and rather disjointed podcasts. I'm very grateful. I'd still love your feedback. As listeners, I value each and every one of you. If there's any questions or you want me to discuss any of the topics I've raised thus far, then please do send me some either verbal or written feedback, and I'll be pleased to consider it. People can be credited if they wish. This has been Daniel Mounter with part two of a section regarding the disinformation theory and how it compares to cultic movements. Thank you.